to Mind My Business, the podcast that gets you thinking about how to start, build, and grow a successful business from nothing. We walk through how to break down any barriers you may face and feature interviews from some of the best business owners of companies, large and small, providing insight on what it takes to get to the next step. Time to Mind My Business with your hosts, brothers Jonathan Floyd, owner of Box of Care, and Dean Floyd, owner of the Lux Concept. Guys, take it away. And away we go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mind My Business, the show that puts your business on your mind. I am one of your hosts, Jonathan Floyd, founder and owner of Box of Care, the New Orleans Care Package Gift Company. And the website, as usual, is www.boxofcare.com, where we have themed gifts that ship anywhere around the world. Um, as always, joining me is my brother, Dean Floyd. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Dean Floyd, the owner of the Lux Concept, where we provide a full range of interior design services, kind of from small scale, essentially, to full home restoration. So please visit our website, which is theluxconcept.com, just to get inspired. Awesome. So before we get started, thank you for listening wherever you are. Um, and I'd, I'd like to ask if you are digging the podcast, please like, rate, review, subscribe, or share us on whichever platform you found us. So um, we'll be dropping episodes every Wednesday and we can be found anywhere you get podcasts like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else. So if you listen to the last episode, we really do appreciate it. If you haven't, please go back and check the last one about time management. Um, we had some really good tips in there. Um, as I say, every episode is just a glimpse into what we're seeing and dealing with as small business owners. Uh, and I hope you listening to these conversations will inspire you to put yourself out there. Go get your LLC or whatever other corporation you want to start uh, and start going for your dreams. Um, another thing I always talk about is us doing interviews. And today we have a very special guest joining us, Mr. Antonio Cousin, though I call him Cousin. I want this to be professional. So, uh, Cousin, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? Not too bad. I, I can't complain. I, I know you and I have talked, but can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Yep. Not a problem. So my name is Antonio Cousin. I'm a licensed real estate broker in the state of Louisiana. Um, I'm also a real estate investor and a private money lender. And look, I appreciate you for doing this with us. This podcast has become like therapy for Dean and I as we start and build our businesses. But for me, it was always important to bring on other people who are in their businesses because I think they need to hear from others for a couple reasons. The first thing is they may be sitting on the sidelines and ready to get in the game and hearing these things might help them. And then the second thing is being able to get information from experts. And I, I would consider you an expert and not just based on time, though you've been doing real estate for 10 years, but the amount of time that you put into being a real estate agent. But before we get into any sort of real estate questions, the first thing I want to ask you is, what did you think about LSU last year? Oh, man, it was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I, I like how you... you didn't, yeah, you didn't, know, you didn't know I was going there with it. I, was like, I didn't, I didn't. Like, let me ask him what you that it, it was like artwork last year. Man, I man, we're gonna talk about this for years to come, man. I can't wait. Forever, forever. Yeah. I wanna uh try to get some kind of compilation, man, on like maybe the whole season, something I can hold and cherish. Yeah. Uh I'm I know there's something out there, I just have to find it. I haven't found that yet, but definitely gotta find something like that, man. Yeah, I've seen some shows that they put on T V and some books, but man, I'm like I the thing is, with this year, with the COVID situation, it's like we don't even know if they'll have fans in the stands. Right. Uh, but I'm like, would I trade? And I don't I, definitely the situation is a terrible situation. But I'm like, in in the in the macro, would I trade 
being able to be be and be a part of LSU games to trade it off to have to potentially not be able to be a part of it. I'm like, I would I would trade it because I'm like last year was just really, really, really special. Yep. And and I knew it going through the season, man. I was trying not to like I, I tried to enjoy every game and like really live in the moment instead of because uh, I knew, you know, I knew we had something special. Uh, I just wish I'd have put some big money on it. I, I put a little bit. I wish I'd have put some big money, man. That's one thing. I was in Vegas uh, in October of last year, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when the odds for the Heisman for Joe was seventy-five to one. Mm-hmm. It started to see. It started the season at two hundred to one. But when I was there, seventy-five to one, and I didn't bet because I was scared. You know, it's like mm-hmm. man, I can I can use this and go play. You know, blackjack or roulette or something. And I ended up losing on that, so I probably should have you know just bet it on Joe. I would have won some money, man. And you know what? I bet. So I went and watched the LSU Alabama game at, um, I can't remember. It might have been the Hard Rock in Biloxi. And uh, I put a little bit of money down and won that. And I think after the Alabama game, I was like, you know what? This might, it, this might be it. Like, yep. This might really be the, be the thing. I didn't mention it before, but you and I, we, we met at LSU. That's where I know you from. And um, even before I knew you, just a couple of things. The first thing was everybody called you cousin, which you know, Dean and I are from Kenner, and we have family from New Orleans, and you know everybody's a cousin. So it was, I'm like, how is he everybody's cousin? <laughs> I thought that was, I thought that was, kind, of, thought that was kind of weird because that's how we 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 do it down here. But secondly, I just remember seeing you on campus. Um, you know, obviously you were in a fraternity, but just always in like a leadership type role, always like out and about, invisible, and and you all always obviously a kind person. But um, those are my first impressions of you before I even knew you. So. Um, even when you didn't know me, you were always nice and, you know, we always spoke and, and everything. So, um, but I heard you do a previous podcast with some other LSU guys. Um, and I want to go down a little bit different of a road than, than, than they did. And we'll get into the real estate stuff that you're doing. But, um, the first thing I want to ask is why real estate? What made you feel like you could get up or wanted to get up and do that every single day? Well, to be honest with you, I started back in 2010, uh, when I lived in Dallas, so I was first licensed in Texas for the, my first six years in, in the business. But the reason I started or the reason I got into it is because my agent at the time, the, the person who sold me the house, um, she was just telling me about all the extra money you can make while doing it on the side. You know, I had a full time job. I still do have a full time job, actually, as a bank examiner. But uh, she was just telling me about the big checks you can get from this business and you can do it at your convenience. You know, most people. They're not available to look at houses during the day anyway while you're at work. So, you know, it's the after hours and the weekends is when you're doing most of your production. But uh, I did it as a way to, you know, at that time I was engaged and I wanted to figure out a way to help pay for the wedding because I don't believe in going, in, you know, into uh, bad debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt and we can get into that if you want. But Absolutely. I just felt like uh, I didn't want to have all this debt from a wedding because, I, you know, I, I have a lot of friends and family man so I wanted a big wedding and I just knew you know the cost associated with such a thing and I, I didn't want to have to pay for that so, you know and for the long term I didn't want to rack up the debt so that's why I got the license um just to make, get some of that extra income coming in and I, I started liking it man I actually enjoy helping people I like the feeling especially like my first time home buyers like oh man it's amazing uh, an amazing feeling uh you know for them to reach such a, a milestone in their lives man it's, it's a good feeling What's the process to becoming an agent? Can you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, so every state is going to be different, but for the most part, it's all uh, similar stuff. So you'll take some classes. If you have a college degree, you won't have to take as many classes because your degree will count for some of the education requirements. But uh, you go through, you take the classes, you, you, you know, you have to pass 
at the individual schools. They have different schools that offer the classes. But once you pass at the school level, they'll give you a certificate and then you're able to take the state licensing exam. And once you take that state licensing, well, actually, let me back up. So there's a state part and there's a national part. So you have to take both of those. Once you pass that, then you become an agent. Um, to be able to be a broker, you have to be an agent. In Louisiana, you have to be an agent for four years under a broker before you can become a broker. And you have to take a separate test in education requirements to become a broker. Okay. So I appreciate the background because, I, I mean, I guess I have an idea, but I don't, I guess I didn't really know. But even before we jump into real estate even further, I want to ask you about your life. So we've done episodes on networking. We've done episodes on time management. Um, and we'll eventually do an episode on mindset. I know you have a, a beautiful family, a wife and son, but I also see you doing three miles a day on Facebook, which inspires <laughs> me to go do my time, my jogging. Cause I'm like, days I don't want to do it, but I see you do it. Some days you've done, you've done two times that you've jogged. You've done twice, one in the morning, one in the evening or whatever. So yeah. talk, talk me through a typical day for you. So I actually went this morning too, man. Me and my son went jogging. My son's only two, so he's in a uh, jogger. I'm pushing him. <laughs> But uh, to be honest, man, so every single day, no matter, you know, holiday, I don't care, weekend, I get up between 4.45 and 5 a.m., no matter what. That's my weekly, like, I have to get up at that time because from 5 to 6, or 4.45 to 6, that's like my quiet time. That's my time to myself where I, you know, I journal, I, I read, um, I'm doing some kind of meditation and gratitude. Like, I have to have that time to myself before my son, he wakes up now, it's at six. It used to be seven. So I used to have, you know, more time to myself. But uh, it's every single day, man, even if I go to sleep late the night before or, or whatever, man, and I, you know, you have to trick your mind, right? Because there's, there's some days when I don't want to wake up, but I always say, like, if I don't wake up, then my son is going to, you know, it's something I'm not doing that morning that my son is going to hurt for in the future. I know it's a crazy way to think like that, but it works for me so it's all about you know whatever works for you but i absolutely get up every single day from four either 4 45 or 5 and now it's getting to a point where this morning for instance i woke up at 4 45 with no alarm like normally i set my alarm for five so it's becoming a routine man and, and uh we can talk about that i journal you know uh every night like i have a journal a 90-day journal and every night i write down my top five uh like i have goals 90-day goals and then you know, I backtrack uh, what I need to have for the week and then what I need to do today to get to that 90-day goal. So every night, you know, I write down what I'm going to do tomorrow. And it helps me because, you know, I'm spending less time thinking in the morning. Like, I'm, I'm waking up and I'm already hitting the ground running because I already planned it out the night before what I need to get done. Mm. It Man, I started doing this in January because uh, I was a part of a mastermind for the last uh, 14 months. Mm. And, you know, it was just something one of the guys brought up in the group and man changed my life for the better ever you know i've been killing it ever since man the journaling is huge i wish i had implemented it sooner but you know you, you live and you grow and i've definitely grown as a result of this yeah and dean you talked about you did you do some journal sure well. yeah um that's actually very positive um and powerful in what you're saying uh, my journaling i essentially try to for time management kind of plan out my weeks to months to the year kind of what i need to get as far as scheduling and things but i don't essentially think in you know i just plan for the future i don't plan you know to 30 day 90 day 30 60 90 days so i kind of like you know hearing you say that and that's actually something i kind of want to implement to my journaling just to kind of stay on yourself to not just 
keep up with what's coming on in the future, but to kind of have that goal expectation for yourself too. So you're actually striving for something too, if that makes sense. So <clears throat> I kind of like yep. uh, that aspect of it. That's really good to hear. Yeah. And I think right now in a time like this, where we're all kind of stuck in the house and have been for eight weeks, um, the quarantine has been killer on people's health and I've been kind of yo-yoing. And so I'm, I'm taking notes and I'm, I, I think I may start to implement a 90 day journal after, after hearing you say that, but the the health thing has been has been big, and you and you kind of touched on a few things. One thing we have in common is is the love for Eric Thomas. Yep. I first saw Eric Thomas uh, in two thousand nine, I believe. He did a video at the University of Auburn talking to the football team, and that was the first time I saw him. And it was probably like a two and a half minute video, and it like resonated. It almost stopped me where I was in my apartment. That I must have watched it a few times. And I'm like, who is this dude? And that's when, and that's when I first came across him. But he's big on inspiration and being inspired and, and self motivating. So, what what are some of the things that inspire you? Is it? And I know you talked about your family, but um, is money a factor as well? Um, is it the thought of being the best realtor in the state, the country? I mean, what kind of gets you going? Uh, to be honest, it's it's family, man. Like I I just I never want my family to want for anything. So. Like I, especially my son, like ever since my son, you know, came along, my first kid, my only kid right now, like it's just changed everything, man. It's like, I have to be out there hustling and, and, and selling houses or, or whatever. It ain't even about the money, man. It's about, you know, doing what I need to do to make sure that they're taken care of. My wife and my son, making sure that they're happy, you know, that like I'm holding it down with financially, you know what I mean? Like that's my motivation that drives me every day. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to touch, like, backtrack a little bit. We talked about yeah. the goals. Mm -hmm. And, like, to further break it down, like, I have five daily – five goals for the month, right, for the 90 days. And then I have five daily things that I need to do in order to achieve those. But for my five goals, like, two of them are business-related. One of them is going to be self-development. One of them is health. And one of them is family. So that's how I break down my five goals, five 90-day goals. And each, like I said, each day I write down what I need to do in those areas. I write it down the night before what I need to do the next day to achieve, to get closer and closer to my goal. But something um, I think, something I do want to mention, and I will be, you know, I will hate to not mention this, is like I know I'm about to break it down for my realtor business, but this can be employed by any business. Like, so, you know, for instance, in my in my case, so I want, let's say, for instance, I wanted to sell, 50 homes for the year, right? That's my goal mm -hmm. for, for the full year. Mm -hmm. But I know that I don't have control in selling those 50 homes. Like, it's up to other variables. But what I can control is the process. So I got this idea from a podcast, man. The, the guy was, uh, I wish I could give him his credit, but I don't remember his name. I just know he was a realtor in Mississippi. But he was saying he his goal is to get four points a day. And so his, and he broke it down like for instance, uh, four points would be like you'll get one points for a showing, two points for a new contract, uh, a half a point for a new lead, a half a point for a social media post. So that way you're controlling the process. You're controlling what you're doing each day. That's going to eventually lead to more sales. So you can't control the sales, but you can control what goes into getting those sales. So that's something I started implementing. And man, I've been killing it, dude. Like, I, I mean, I tailored it to my own business. You know, I have a my I have my own four point system, but still I've been doing that and I've been killing it. So I'm not even worried about the number of sales because that's going to be taken care of by itself. I'm just out there putting in the work every day. Like I'm getting my four points every single day. 
and it's translating into more sales. Like I've never been, done this much production in my career, man. I'm a, at the end of uh, the first week of June, I'm going to be the made everything I made in 2019. And I did good wow. in 2019. And wow. you know, this pandemic hasn't stopped anything for me. Like anything, if anything, I've been more, I've been busier. I currently have eight houses under contract. I've never had 800, eight houses at one time under contract. That's a, that's a milestone for me, man. I'm just, I'm thankful for sure, but I think it's all of the work that I'm putting in is, is paying off too. Go ahead, Dean. I'll let you jump in. Up. No, no, no. Um, yeah, just kind of hearing what you're saying. Um, I guess I had a question for you. So just kind of hearing where you started, essentially kind of talking about goals. Uh, what was, I guess it's a little off topic. What was your first location wise? Where was your first property that you took over or flip essentially? Uh, from the real yes. estate investing side? I guess you slipping um, so sizes a little bit. I'm first, sorry. I'm a little off topic there. No, it's a, no, it's no, a, no, it's fine. Um, so as far as the investing side, my first purchase was in 2018. I purchased an office building in Baton Rouge. It's currently rented, but I plan on opening my own brokerage this year, and it'll be out of that building. But I purchased that. And it's crazy because, like, me and Dean talked a little bit earlier. Like, I've – so I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad back in 2007, and that's that had my – my mind going, man, about, you know, entrepreneurship, being my own boss, real estate. And I read that in 2007. And then I started going to all these meetings, like investor club meetings and reading all these books, but I never took action. So from 2007, all the way to 2018, that's 11 years of inaction. Like I, I studied everything I could study. I read every book. I went to every meeting, man. I just analysis by paralysis. It's like, you can, you can never know everything. At some point, you got to jump in. And so that's one thing I regret, man, is I, I should have been doing this. Like, I could have been so far along right now if I had just took action back in 2007. Just something. Like, you know, it's, it's fear. Fear held me back all that time, man. And I'm doing well now, but it's like I could have been so far along had I just done it and stopped being scared. You know what I mean? You got to you gotta jump out there to learn. And that's something I just wish I hadn't, you know, waited so long to do. Yeah, I mean, I say personally, I had that same thing. I, I mean, I talked about it on the first episode, but I had a conversation with somebody years ago about starting a business, and they were like, "Well, you just need to go get an LLC and then have your idea and then do this." And I'm like, "Wait, it's that easy?" <laughs> and then, it, and then it comes to the time where you're like thinking and thinking and thinking, and so often I hear people talk about perfect ideas. Man, if I just had a great idea, and it's like. There is no perfect idea because right. even if you come up with something, there's still a level of like prep and execution. But that execution is going to be 90 percent of whatever it is that you're doing. So, I mean, I think I think you make a great point there. You just got to get out there and do it, man. <laughs> you got to take that first step. Yeah, Absolutely. To be honest with you, not not caring what other people say, too, because, um, you know, if you asked me five years ago, would I ever do a podcast? I would say no. Would I have ever started a business? I probably would have said no as well because I don't like to put myself out there. I'm not really one to, and I'm not saying it, you know, as a great trait. I mean, I'm just saying I'm not one to, I consider myself humble to a point where it's a fault where I'm just like, I won't go and do more because it's just like, well, I don't want to seem like I'm pushing myself. But it's like, those are the people that get things done in life are the people who are out there putting themselves out there. Ooh. Yep. I agree 100%. Yeah. So, um, so let's let's jump into the real estate stuff. Um, you know, I feel I feel like the term wealth building is is, is overused. Um, I prefer legacy because I think wealth is so tied to money. Mm. Yeah. But but the legacy thing in in terms of what you can do with real estate 
could be something that could last forever. You know, obviously with the COVID situation, things are a little bit difficult and it may seem from the outside that it's going to be hard to start that legacy or, or get those properties. But, but where is the market right now? I guess, how are things going? Is it a good time to buy? Is it not a good time to buy? I know you get that question all the time, but I mean, where do you see things standing right now? Man, the market is booming. Contrary to popular belief, you may think, I mean, I just told you I'm, I'm as busy as I've ever been. Like I've never been this busy. And uh, like, I can give you a good example. Actually, I have a client, a uh, couple right now, husband, wife, um, they're trying to stay under 500,000. Right. So we went out last weekend, found a house. We put in a full price offer of 476,000 and we they had three offers and we were outbid. Mm. So the very next day we found another one, 460,000. We put in a full price offer. We were outbid. So that tells you the market is still it, like normally those kind of houses in that price range, they don't move as fast as your, you know, your one hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred thousand dollar houses. So it, it's moving, man. Um, like I don't, I don't, I guess maybe the interest rates being so low, I don't know, but it's actually moving faster than you think. Like I'm, I'm busy, which is great, great sign. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to mention you, you brought up legacy, man. Uh, so I want to bring up like I'm a part of an investment club. So it's, it's six of us. We started back in 2018. Uh, most of us went to LSU together. And uh, the purpose of the group is generational wealth. So, you know, as a part of forming the group, we all had to have wills. We had to, you know, have um, basically if something were to happen to us, who we want our ownership interest in the company to go to. Like it's all about building this company that's going to last. It's not a, just about the right now. So as a part of this company, we own a we bought a photo booth and we started a photo booth company we also have one property that we rehabbed and we currently have rented and current last uh maybe two or three days ago we went under contract for another property that we're going to do the same thing while we rehab it and rent it out so we're building up those assets so that way we could transfer it to our kids at some point and you know down the line but we're building wealth. we're building that legacy for our kids and you know it's going to be something you know where we can show our kids, when they get to that age, you know, show them what we know. And it's all about having, you know, build, it's a, it takes a village, man. And we just want to build that up to where we can leave a legacy for our uh, families and things like that. But it's six, you know, we all the same age, uh, around the same age, young black guys holding it down. I've never, the Wills thing, I've, to be honest with you, I've never heard anybody talk about a will. Me either. Yeah. To be honest with you, <laughs> I, I, I ne I've never even, I'm, that's never even crossed my mind. It's not even hard to set up, man. Um, it's fairly inexpensive, too. So uh, you should definitely look into it. You never know when it's going to be your time, you know? Right. So it's, and it's, it's simple. It's not even, you know, too complex. <laughs> it can be as simple as if something happened to me, all my assets go to this person. If something happens to that person, all the assets go to this person. It's simple. It's really not as hard as you think. I mean, I've done the life insurance thing. and So I've got, you know, the stuff through work, of course, um, but then also the, the stuff outside of work. But the wills thing, I just never, um, never even thought of that. And then you, the, the investor club thing. I mean, you just, you don't hear, I'm, I'm 33, about to be 34. And you just don't see a lot of people our age, black people our age in that sort of position. Everybody's still like trying to get to, the out of apartment into the home buying process. Um, so the thought of even investing, it's like I was having a conversation with somebody over the weekend and, and I'm gonna keep this just, just to black people, but it's like, we are so used to saying I work two weeks and then I get my check. I work two weeks and get my check. Anything that involves not having that money come to me within 
15 days after work is like a it's just a non-start <laughs> um or 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 there's like the get rich quick quick schemes where people are you know i put in this amount of money and i get a you know a ton of money back or whatever or even stocks or whatever you know try to go down that road and all these different things but um just the thought of an investor club and having a group of people with the same mindset is I mean, to, to be honest with you, it's hard to find people like, so you you being able to find five other people like that is, I mean, it, it almost sounds amazing. Yeah, and just to give you a little background on it, we uh, meet every month, and well, lately it's been Zoom meetings, but like we're, you know, we're an official group, uh, LLC, so the name is Greenwood Stratford Group, and it has some meaning because Black Wall Street, as you know, that was in Greenwood, uh, the Greenwood area of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So that's where the mm-hmm. Greenwood comes from. And at that time, the the largest, the okay, so the first black man and well, let me see, J.B. Stratford is his name. He's a mm-hmm. black gentleman back in those days. He had the largest real estate portfolio. He owned hotels. So that was in the Greenwood, Stratford, the Greenwood area. So that's why our name is Greenwood Stratford Group. So it has some meaning. And we meet every month and we collect dues. So the dues are not even expensive. It's 150 a month. And we pool that money together and we use that money to invest. So whether that's the photo booth, real estate, stocks, whatever. And we're not big stock guys, but some of the guys in the group are really good with the stocks. But, uh, you know, it's just all about flipping your money, like making your money work for you and teaching each other. So that was a big component, too. Um, instead of like we had a requirement that everybody need to bring a proposal to the table. But not only that, you also have to bring some kind of education piece to the table because we all have unique skills and abilities. Well, we, you know, we know different things and we have expertise in different areas. So you have to be able to give that to others. You can't just hold it in. So we, we would all teach each other things too that, you know, like mine, I'm, I'm good with the real estate stuff. So I would teach on real estate. So it's all about empowering each other. But that's what we do, and I enjoy that. We've been doing it since uh, March of 2018. Okay. Wow. And you said, y'all, so far y'all have, so you've got the, and I've seen the photo booth. It's Infinity Photo Booth. Correct. Yep. Thanks for the plug. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Infinity Photo Booth. Um, So I I eventually wanted to, so I'm like building up the marriage part. So I'll be doing wedding gifts for my business. within the next few months and it was always on my list to contact you i don't know if you remember wayne willis yep, he yep. does bow ties yep. uh with well-groomed man so i'm like all these people from lsu who i see doing things i'm gonna eventually circle back to to you about that but you got your first property in march <coughs> well and now you started it in march 18 but you have your first property y'all are working on on the second one or, or whatever else you have planned i mean what, what are some of the long-term goals of the group what i mean is it is it a matter of getting 50 properties? Is it set about a number? Is it an amount of money? What, what, do, you, what do you all aspire to do? Um, to be honest, it's no set number. Um, we're just all about building like that legacy. Like We want to get continue to build the asset column and just build it, get that cash flow, and then eventually pass it on to our heirs. But um, when, we, when we did the group, we had an agreement, in, well, in our operating agreement, that we can't take any distributions for the first three years. So we have not taken any money out of the company. It's all about, you know, reinvesting that money and continuing to let it work for us. So that was, a, a you know, a good goal to have at the beginning, a, a good uh, understanding, I should say, because we want to build that up. But we don't have a specific number. We just, you know, all about learning because you have to continue to learn and develop each other. So we're just building each other up and building that asset column. 
after this conversation is that I'm like I'm at the I'll take you to Roos Chris or wherever you want to go because I'm I need to like ask you a whole bunch more questions that has <laughs> nothing to, that I don't even want to spend all the time on here because I'm I'm like the stuff you're saying, um you know I've talked and I, I mentioned it to you but I talked to a friend of mine about trying to start our own property investment group when we we do some flipping and renting um I guess for for the people who don't know. I guess what's that process like? Because I watch I watch HGTV and they make it look sexy to where, oh yeah, we put it yeah. in the house and, we, and then I look and then I looked it up online because um, my wife and I were talking about it and those home uh, rental projects those people have to pay for that out of pocket yep. but mm-hmm. you don't even know you don't even know that you feel like oh you know HGTV comes in and they pay for all that stuff but I mean what what's the process? Um, so HGTV HGTV they're gonna make it look sexy right so they're not gonna give you the behind the scenes stuff. Um, typically, you know, things happen where, uh, unexpected things, like you can't see behind the walls, you know what I'm saying? So you may get in, start knocking down walls and you're like, damn, I didn't know that they had bad wiring or or plumbing issues. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of that stuff they don't show because they have to sell, you know, viewers. So, um, it's not hard, but you have to just get out there and start. (laughs) It's just a matter of Mm -hmm. starting. Our first uh, project we did as an investment club, we did it on our own. Well, most of the stuff we did on our own, we couldn't do the granite and things like that. We we couldn't take out the shower because we didn't know how to do that kind of thing. But the little cosmetic painting and uh, flooring, like all that stuff, we did on our own cabinets. It's not hard, though, man. I, I would say for anybody that's interested in doing it, you know, obviously you could research. But at some point, you got to jump in there. I have a friend who's in Dallas. She actually just, just did her first flip. And she ended up losing about $2,000 on it or so after she ended up, you know, mm-hmm. selling it and everything. It's because she purchased it for too much. Like, she went into it, you know, mm-hmm. buying it too high. But she's not even mad that she lost $2,000 on the deal because she learned. So she has a second one property under contract right now. And she's happy about it because she learned so much on that first deal. So, yeah, it was a $2,000 lesson, right? But... It will propel her going forward. Absolutely. So kind of into what you're saying, I've always had that interest to get into flipping. Um, I have some friends who rent out their property in the quarter. They do kind of like the uh, medical rentals where they have medical residency students or, you know, nurses. They'll come in for a period of time. They'll stay, you know, so it's taken care of. So always thought that would be interesting, but kind of talking to you about flipping, I... Have become a man watching the HGTV shows, kind of Jonathan has said, and <clears throat> I've always kind of wanted to dive in it. But I guess there has always been that sense of being scared to lose money, or you know, being afraid of am I spending the correct amount on the house, or when it comes to finishes, because I could essentially want to finish that. You know, it could be a little bit more expensive per square foot or per inch. So I guess. That's something I've always been nervous of. How do you deal with um, it's making sure you're staying on your own budget? This is my question. Um, so we have spreadsheets. We have uh, on how much we plan to spend. Like we have a guy in the group who's a licensed contractor. And uh, so we have a good idea of, you know, construction costs. But I will say this, man. Uh, I do want to clarify something. So I've never flipped a property. I've only, you know, we went in and rehabbed the property and then rented it out. So I'm not oh, okay, big. Okay. And the reason I'm not a huge uh, flip guy is because when you flip a property and you, you've owned it for less than a year, then you're paying taxes on that capital gain at your ordinary tax, taxable income. Whatever the tax rate is, you're paying at your ordinary tax rate. 
However, I, I much prefer, you know, flip rehabbing a property and then renting it out because now you have an asset that's paying, and the, you know, you're renting it out so you're cash flowing. Then there's something called depreciation where you could depreciate the asset and not even pay taxes on a lot of that, that cash flow that you, you receive for the year. So it's so many benefits to holding something long term. Like, I, I don't plan on ever. I, currently, I have the, the property that I own with the uh, investment club. I have the one we have on the contract with the investment club. But I also have a duplex in New Orleans. And I have a, a commercial office building out here in Baton Rouge. And I don't plan on selling anything ever. <laughs> I plan on renting that out forever. And eventually, you know, passing it on to my son, letting him rent it out. And all of my own individual LLCs, actually, uh, the name of those are named behind my son because I want to teach him everything as we're going, you know, as we're, as he's, as he's growing up, I want him to have ownership. I want him to feel like he, he owns it. Like my son's name is Cameron. One of the companies is Cameron Investment Holdings. One of the other one is Cameron, Cameron Reed Enterprises. You know what I mean? So I want him to feel a part of the company. I want him to be able to learn that kind of stuff at a very, very, very young age. And, you know, the, the benefits and the value of, of ownership. Something I didn't that's, have that's a, growing up. That's a great idea. Uh, so I, so I, I want to hit you with a myth. Being a landlord is not worth it. Huh. <laughs> True I laugh false. at that. <laughs> I love being a landlord, <laughs> man. And it's, it's crazy because uh, it's not people always say that, but it'd be the people who never done it before. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's crazy but you know i have one property that's under a property management company i and that's recent uh over the last two months and that's been amazing like they do everything like they do any repairs any calls you call them you don't call me i manage all my other stuff by myself and i have no problem with it i mean with the property management company they charge us eight percent each month that's nothing for the peace of mind mm -hmm. you know and they take care of the repairs i pay them but you know they take it out of the rent but at the same time like it's it's, it's passive like I'm not doing anything. Mm -hmm. So don't don't listen to people who tell you that. I, I bet any money those people have never owned and all they're doing is uh, repeating stuff they've heard from others. Yeah, I have heard that. I really feel like, so we talked about the flipping thing or rehabbing, but just for the regular home buyer, so my wife and I went through that process. I think we're coming up on year three in our home, and I felt like we had to sign over everything but our first home. <laughs> Um, at that time, because so when you when you getting money from somebody, you're doing a conventional FHA or a conventional loan. I mean, they kind of have you, you know, they kind of pull you which way, you know, where they want you to go and get what they need from you. But um, can you talk through somebody who may not want to do any sort of rehab, who just wants to get their own property, live in an apartment now? So from that state to actually getting the keys and opening the door on closing day, what would you recommend in terms of even from the saving and credit standpoint to the pre-approval standpoint and house searching through the, the final part? So it's so many options, man. And I, I try not to put anybody in the box. Like you just mentioned conventional and FHA, but there's also a VA loan, which is for veterans, uh, which is a great loan, a great program. There's also a USDA loan, which is a USDA rural development loan, which you know, it's to the rural area. So you think of like your bad, um, Prairieville, Gonzalez, Denham Springs, uh, some certain parts of Baton Rouge, all of the West Bank except Algiers, Slidell. So with that program, you get 100% finance. And so it depends on the person. A lot of people, your first time home buyers, they don't have a lot of money saved. So they don't have mm -hmm. these, uh, the large deposits uh, or enough money to do the deposit plus your closing costs. So I just try to help out the person. I try to talk to them and, and understand their unique situation. 
And based on what I find, then I kind of like guide them to the, the right area they should be searching. But a lot of that part of it is going to come from the lender as well. That's why I try to partner with lenders that I trust and I know know what they're doing. And it's not all about a dollar to them. They're all about giving value. Once you, when you give value, the results and the money follows. That's, that's something I'm big on, giving value. And it, I don't know if you see my Facebook, but I try to give value. I have an email list where I try to give value. I just like the purpose is just to give what I know. Certain things I've learned over the years. I'm 36 now. I just try to pass it along because I wish I had known it sooner. So, um, yeah, it just depends on that unique person, uh, situ- person's situation. But once I understand that, I kind of guide them in the right direction. But it starts with that pre-approval. You know, we kind of that way we know exactly how much you can afford. And I never recommend anybody go up to that full amount because then you'll be house poor. And I just mm-hmm. don't think that's a good situation to be in. Period. That's tempt. That's tempting. Yeah, def- you get that number. It says three hundred, and you like three hundred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you go look, look, go look at stuff that's two two ninety nine now. Yeah. Like. And the, okay. And the reason is is because like um, you got to think you it's a mind shift, right? So when you're a renter, your landlord or whoever you know is taking care of the the repairs, and but when you buy that house, usually you know you're gonna have to pay to cut the grass. I mean, not to pay to cut the grass, but that's maintenance, like all the. The lawn care maintenance, uh, your electricity bill is probably going to be higher because you're probably moving up and getting a bigger place. Any repairs, you know, that's coming out of pocket. So you got to factor all that in. A lot of people don't factor that in and they want to borrow to get this very, very nice house. But, you know, you got to be realistic. What are some of the other things people should look for in when it comes to selecting a lender and it comes to selecting an agent? Um, because so and everything I'm just relating to myself, when we went with the agent we went with um and i feel bad because i'm like i should have gone to you now now looking back on it but i don't know i don't think you were here i don't know if you were here or not i, I was um okay, okay. <laughs> next time next time I uh, but when we went to the agent she stayed in contact with us so we actually got interested in the process like two or three years before that and she stayed in touch with us for for three years like probably once a quarter would hit us and she may have reminders in the emails i don't know but for us, that really stuck out to us. So, like, you know, what is it, or even some some techniques that you use with with potential buyers? Is it is it about the relationship? I mean, how how do you kind of keep that situation warm for somebody who's who's who may not be ready today? So I, I stay in contact as well. Um, I have you know most of us use a, a CRM, customer relationship management mm-hmm. system, and um, mm-hmm. you know you can have a little follow ups in there like remind me every month or remind me every three months. So I started using that in January of this year. Uh, my previous nine and a half years, I was just winging it. I treated this as a hobby, but you know, over the last five months or so, I've been like getting serious and focused with it. But uh, I try to just keep, you know, you want to nurture that relationship, man. I, I value relationships over transactions any day. So I'm not about just selling you a house to get the commission because it's not about the commission to me. It's about making sure you're happy. So if you're listening to this and you're interested in buying a property, I would say, first of all, you want to make sure that the person you're going to seek out, that agent or that lender or both, uh, you want to make sure that they're experienced. And the thing is, you're going to be working with these people. So you want to make sure you have that good, like that bond with them. You know what I mean? You're going to be talking to these people on a a fairly consistent basis. So you got to be dealing with someone you enjoy working with. Like you don't want to deal with somebody that has an attitude or you know, feel like they're rushing you off the phone all the time. Like that's, that's not somebody you want to deal with. So I, I value, I, like I said, I value relationships, man. So 
I try to be that person that you can ask anything, any question to, and I'll be able to answer it. And if I can't, I'll get the answer to you. And I, I think that has worked well with me in my business because I try to give that value. Mm-hmm. So in terms of what you're doing right now, you talked about, you know, kind of going past the COVID thing and, and things are booming. What are any challenges that you may be facing right now or even the, in the biggest part of what you're doing? Is it not really being able to get the physical contact with people where you're out and about or? I mean, what are some of the things you're facing right now challenge-wise? And then how are you kind of getting past those things? So with the COVID situation, it, it was a challenge, but it hasn't been as bad anymore. And when I say it was a challenge, um, you know, back in maybe early March when it first became a thing, I was I was kind of nervous to go out there showing houses and, you know, viewing properties and interacting with people on a, you know, face-to-face basis. But I've kind of gotten over that by taking gloves, wearing a mask, disinfecting everything, uh, using hand sanitizer. You know, I've just kind of taken those steps to disinfect those germs to prevent possibly getting exposed to that kind of thing. So I will say that was a challenge. It isn't as much anymore because I've been I've been showing houses on the regular. Like, that hasn't been an issue at, at all. And I've also been implementing Zoom into, you know, uh, my normal showings. Or, not showing, sorry. My normal conversations, like if I want to have that face-to-face inside of the phone, we just hop on a FaceTime or a Zoom call. It's funny, man. Actually, let me let me bring this up. So I had a property. Uh, we closed this upcoming Friday where I saw it for the first time yesterday during our final walkthrough. We had a FaceTime with the, the listing agent and the, the owners of the home where the four of us, you know, me and my client, we were all on FaceTime together and they walked us through the home on FaceTime. <laughs> And based on that, wow. we put in an offer. He, he really liked it. We put in an offer, and we had an inspection completed. And he wanted to go see it. I wasn't, you know, I was I was trying not to, you know, get exposed. So I didn't go. Mm-hmm. But he FaceTimed me while he was there with the inspector. So it was physically my first time in the property yesterday during the walkthrough. So that was kind of cool. It's, you know, being able to adjust and you got to kind of transition and just adapt in this kind of environment. But that, that would be my only challenge, of the, you know, Everything else is booming. <laughs> and you bring up a good point because people keep talking about the new normal and, oh, things that are happening now is so different. And, you know, it's not going to be like this forever. But I'm like, some things that are happening in COVID are going to be permanent. Yep. And I think this this new wave of, like, not having to physically always be everywhere, I think that might stick. Yep. I, I really do. I really do. So, I mean, it's and, – and, and in terms of business, you know, it's like if you don't get with that, you're going to get left or lost. Yep. I agree 100%. One thing that I really like that you said earlier was kind of making your money work for yourself. And that's been a statement that I've heard recently. I'd say about a month ago, obviously not a month ago, a little longer prior to, but I've recently heard it again. And it's something I'm just trying to personally apply to my business and you know my mindset ultimately when it comes to finding things. Uh, I essentially kind of want to do softly touch into what you're doing i would like to have a property in the quarter essentially and have one in montreal canada where they were just rental incomes and every blue moon or you know every year so i'd visit but my question to you would be i guess what would be my i kind of heard you saying you know just getting started is your best first step but you know when you are getting started kind of what is your for yourself what did you find out the gate was your most successful i guess tool with having that sense of, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, you know, do it, essentially, not have that fear that we talked about. 
Right. So I told you I read every book and, you know, I listened to every audio podcast, whatever. Like I did everything I could do. But at a certain point I had to jump in. But I would say in your case, I would seek out a mentor, somebody who's been there before. I would be that person if you needed the help. You know what I mean? If you didn't know anybody else. But you want to seek out somebody who's been there and can walk you through and kind of like shorten your learning curve. So that's what I had. I had somebody I could reach out to and ask questions whenever I had questions. I try not to hog because everybody's time is valuable. So I try to strategically ask those questions. And instead of hitting them up for just one-off questions, I try to put them together and compile a list of questions and just maybe send through email and just get back to me when you can. But I would say reaching out. Think about it like this. What's your favorite sport, Dean? Soccer? Oh, I'm not a big soccer fan, so I can't. Well, I, you know what? Okay, I can go with it. Ooh, so who's, who's your favorite soccer oh, player? My favorite long-term player would have to be like David Beckham. Okay, David Beckham. David Beckham, he's amazing. Absolutely. He's really good at what he does, right? He did. Did he have a coach? Absolutely he had a coach. Everybody can have – you You can be the, the most talented player in the world, but in order to get to that next level, you have to have a coach. And think of a coach like a mentor. You have to have some – you know, utilize somebody who can get you to that next level, who can help your sh shorten your learning curve. So that's what I would say. Reach out to somebody who's been there before. If you're trying to get into the real estate part, there's a website called biggerpockets.com. It's a really good resource for real estate investors where people from all over the world are on this website and they share tips, they share articles, they share all kinds of things. If you have a question, you can jump on the forum and ask a question and somebody will answer it because I can guarantee every single scenario that could ever play out in the real estate deal has happened to somebody on that group. It's hundreds of thousands of people on there it's a great 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 resource for real estate investing you letting me know that and for sure i'm gonna have to i know I'm, you mentioned earlier um have an off-topic dinner so i'm gonna have to scoot a chair in and have to definitely i'm gonna have to pick your brain because everything <laughs> you're saying is really hitting home for just the things i personally need to hear so yeah I'm definitely appreciative of all that you said so far not a problem i listen to the bigger pockets podcast them and uh invest for more is a guy who does real estate out of Denver. I have it written down to ask, but in terms of podcasts, what, what are you listening to? What what kind of things? Books, podcasts, what, what are you All right, what so you, I have a, man, it's crazy that you asked to. this. So um, I, let me back up. I have an email list where I send out, so let me start. Um, all right, so my frat brothers, my younger frat brothers, they're younger in their 20s, right? Early 20s, recently graduated from college. I started a group with them, right? Where I was trying to give knowledge. Like I was trying to, uh, mm -hmm. we call it the knowledge transfer. I was trying to give them information that I know that I wish I had known in my 20s because that's how, you know, I'd be further along in this life, in this journey we call life, whatever. So I started meeting with them. We had a group meet, um, but I figured to, to leverage my time, I can develop this marketing list, email marketing list, right? And I can open it up to others to be able to impact more people than just my frat brothers. So I started this list. And I communicate different things of value in the email list. It's called Real Estate and Personal Finance 101. But sometimes we get on mark on mindset, like all different kind of things. So right now, I started with like 36 people and I have over 300 now. So it's, it's grown tremendously. And I love doing it because I feel like I'm giving value to, to a lot of people at scale. So I bring all that up to say because I just finished writing an email on focus. And, you know, focusing on your priorities, just focus, period. And, and I say that because I literally, over the last three weeks, I literally went from 91 podcasts. I was subscribed to 91 podcasts all the way down to 46, 45 or 46. Wow. It's because I, like, I'm an information junkie, man. I love learning. I love it. So I was listening to that many podcasts, but I listened to everything on 2X. 
So I was I had gotten to a point where it was like information overload. So I really had to hone in and focus on only those things that would serve me. So I started unsubscribing to a lot of different podcasts. And now, you know, I'm currently at like 46. And of those 46, about 20, 25 of them are real estate agent focused because I want to, you know, be the best at my craft. So I try to fill my brain with that kind of information. But also I read like last year, I tried every book that I read. So last year I read 83 books, man. And I just realized I was doing too much, though. It's like at a certain point, you, you're putting too much into the mind and you can't effectively utilize that information. So uh, before the podcast today, I looked at my list and I've only read 11 books this year. So like I've scaled it back tremendously because I want to master this information instead of just getting through it and to say I read, you know, it's not about quantity. And I felt like that's what I was doing last year. It's just getting through the information, but I wasn't really implementing everything. So that's something I've been focusing on, just trying to like hone in, mastering. That's a great idea. I always look at something I, I think about with my business. So I do New Orleans gifts where I take different things from around the city, put it into to cool looking boxes and send it. And I have people ask me all the time about, you know, when am I going to try something else? And when am I going to try, you know, when will I try this? When will I try that? And I'm like, I just right. need to perfect what I'm doing now <laughs> before I even try to, you know, I, I think of it and it's, it's, no, it's not an official thing, but I, I in my mind, I call it the Raising Cane's model. It's like, yeah, there's Popeye's and there's KFC and you can get, you know, sandwiches and you can get this and salads and you know, yep. this, 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 this. But Cane's is like tenders. This is what we do. You know, we're not, we've not veered off from that. And, and the first time I had Raising Cane's was when I was in high school. So, I mean, 15, 16 years ago, whatever it was. And I'm like, they've not changed. It's like, yep. why not just perfect what you can Exactly. Yep. So that's something I'm I'm working on, man. Uh, like you know, I'm a work in progress. It's like everyone, you know, everyone is. So it, it's just, man. I, I when I tell you I was consuming so much content, like literally, I like everything on two X. And if I if I hear something and I need to rewind it, I just rewind it, you know, to to take that note to write it down or, or put it in my phone. But man, I was consuming way too much information. Information overload for sure. I'll tell you what, you've been giving some good information today. I've got almost two pages worth of notes and I have just a couple more questions and then we'll let you out of here. First thing is, you've mentioned a lot of things and, and you know, anybody listening should have a, a good feel, a good idea of, of kind of how to start the process and should have some notes, but are there any other tips or tricks or techniques you think when it comes to, to real estate that, that people need to know or maybe you didn't mention earlier or just something that you may be seeing in terms um, of trends coming, not down, so much coming for, down the road? Well, I don't really have anything else to add on real estate, but I, I would say this, since this is a business-related podcast, as far as book recommendations, man, mm -hmm. I've implemented... So I read this book called Profit First. Have y'all ever heard of it? I have not, honestly. Dude, I honestly, I, I, I hope if you have a business and you're listening to this, you have to read Profit First. Is by Michael McCallowitz. And I can't spell the last name, but you will find the book. If you Google, if you Google it, you will find it. So here's, here's the basis of the book. So typically the way we look at a profit is sales minus expense or income minus expenses equals your profit, right? That's the way we learned it in school. That's, that's the way, you know, that's mm -hmm. how we're programmed. So his whole philosophy is income minus your profit equals expenses, meaning you take your, your profit off the, the front end because typically what you do is, you know, how we've always done it is whatever is left over, that's my profit. That's what I get to have. However, when you train it and you flip it around, you take your profit off the front end, 
whatever you're left with, you for you force yourself to operate within those parameters. So let's say, for instance, you were usually spending a thousand dollars on a month on expenses. Well, if you're taking your profit off the front end, you may only have six hundred dollars left every month for expenses. You will find a way to manage and to cut out things you don't need to to make that six hundred dollars work. So that's in this example. That's what I started implementing, man. I, I read the book three times already. Um, since I, I want to say I read it in December, uh, Jan uh, November, December the first time, and I've already read it three times, man, because that's how powerful that book is. But it just flipped everything. So now every time I get a commission check, I take twenty five percent off the top. That goes to my profit account. Every every single check, I have a tax account. Because, you know, you have to pay your taxes. That's a huge part, actually, for business entrepreneurs right. out there that, you know, you have this money just sitting. And then you at the end of the day, you're like, damn, I don't even have enough to pay my taxes. Well, you take it off the top. So I take 15 to 20 percent right. off every check. I put it in my I have separate bank accounts. So I, I, I transition that over to the tax account. And that way I don't have to worry. Like if I have enough to cover my taxes or if I have enough profit or operating expenses, it doesn't matter. I'm taking it off the top. So I'm setting myself up for success because I'm operating within those limits on what I give myself to operate for expenses. It's amazing, man. I, I highly recommend that. That's the man. And then another book will be The Compound Effect. That's by uh, Darren Hardy. Have y'all ever heard of that one? No. It basically talks about how things compound, know. right? So every little small, like just implementing those small daily things or small actions will compound into large results. It's a, it's a great book. I, I read that one two times since last year. So it, I highly recommend that as well. That's two really good books I think you get some value out of. Any any business owner, but I, will, I would love for y'all to check that out and, you know, let me know your thoughts after you, you read them. I will do so as well. Yeah, I, I am going to get those. So the accounts thing, it's almost like escrow then. You almost like keep money. It's something like an escrow type account where it's just kind of yep. sitting there. Because think about like, y'all ever heard of Parkinson's Law? No. So, so um, essentially what it's saying, no. you, you know how, let's say for instance, for work, right? You have an assignment and they give you a week to do it. Although you know it'll only take a day. How it, somehow it always takes that full week, right? Because that's the time you have allotted for it. Mm -hmm. So it, it right. so the same thing happens here. If I tell you you have uh, $1,000 a month to spend on expenses. You find a way to spend $1,000 a month on those expenses. However, if I reduce it to $600, you're going to cut what you don't, what you need to cut, and you're going to realize that you didn't need all that money to be spending all that money to begin with. So it's the same, basically the same kind of thing here. It's called Parkinson's Law. Basically, time will fill up for the amount of... How, how does this... I can't, I can't... You know what I'm trying to say. I'm struggling right here, but yeah, essentially... You will fill up the time right. allotted right. for it, no matter no, what, even if it's something that shouldn't take as long. Neither, neither. I think, man, that's, I, I've not even thought about it like that. The compound effect thing you said is, is so true. And I heard you say on a previous episode, yep. a previous podcast, e eating the elephant yep. one bite at a time. And it's like, that that is true. I mean, it's, it's and I talked about it with, with, with Dean on the last episode with time management. It's like, depending on how you budget your time or the economics of time or whatever, it's like, even if you can't right. do the full thing, it's always good to accomplish something. Like you know what I mean? Because even th those small time increments add up eventually to being you know whatever larger number that. Dude, speaking of time management, uh, have you ever so heard of that show? It's called the Ed Milet Show. It's a podcast. Which show? Okay, so so he's a podcast uh, guy that I subscribe no, no, to, no. and last year he did an episode called "How to Get Twenty One Days in a Week." So obviously that's going to catch your attention, but I was already subscribed to it anyway. So I listened to it and basically he, 
he the way he treats his week or his days is he gets three days in like your traditional day. He breaks it down to from six in the morning to noon, from noon to six, and then from six p.m. to to midnight. That's three days. So essentially, he tries to get everything done. Like think about it like this, and I implemented this to some degree, and I started being more effective too. But like, let's think about this. If you know you want to get stuff done, right? Um, you got X amount of things to do. Let's say you focus and try to get it done before twelve, right? You're gonna feel accomplished, right? You're gonna be, be you're gonna feel more effective and more efficient. So that's what he does. He he breaks it down into three days and one day, six hour increments. And I started doing something similar to that, man. I was killing it. Like I felt so accomplished by getting everything done by ten o'clock in the morning. Like I was, damn, I was like, damn, I got the whole day, and I've already done all of this. You know, granted, I get up really early, but still, like I was able to get so much done before noon. And I got the rest of the day to do whatever. So I just felt more effective, you know, my time management by implementing something like that. I try to get everything done by noon. That way, the rest of the day, I can tackle whatever, you know what I mean? If something pops up, then I got time for it because I've already got everything I needed to get done by noon. It's called uh, The the Who was the podcast again? What was the name of the Mylett, M-Y-L-E-T-T, show. The Ed Mylett Show. That's really good. The Ed Mylett Show. I'm definitely going to check that one out. I mean... I hear Eric Thomas talk about, I get up at three in the yep. morning. I've seen, and I know you remember Vidi, Savitri Wilson, who went to LSU with us. I saw her somewhere um, talk about yep. how she would wake up at two or three in the morning and like work till 10 a.m. And it's just like, that's because she said it was so quiet and the ability to think and the ability to kind of exactly. things. You don't have time. any distraction. You don't have anybody calling you or texting you that early in the morning. It's just your peaceful time. Like that's, man, I'm so productive during that, those early morning hours. That literally, that single-handed Lee has changed my whole outlook on life, man, by waking up so early to get things done before everybody in my household is awake, before anybody can call me. I look at it as getting an uh, early start on my competition. That's how I like to look at it. Mm, and that's, a, that's a great point. That's a great point. I have, I have one more question, and I guess we'll do this one. Dean, if you have any other ones, you could jump in after me, and then we'll go ahead and close it out and give you back some time. But if you could go back two um, years in time, I would say to not worry about what other people yourself. think, man. Like, I, I literally used to care so much about other people. But at the end of the day, who cares? Like, I'm all of, I, oh, the only person I need to please is my wife and my son, mm -hmm. honestly. Like, man, I used to spend so much time and energy mm -hmm. putting, mm -hmm. like, worrying about what other people thought. Like, what, what I look like, what I dress like, what I, you know, how did I come across? Like, who cares? Like, none of that stuff matters. Like, I just wish I had taken that advice from myself sooner, man. None of that stuff matters. It's funny you say that because um, the reserve man, the reserve the man podcast. Of, of, was the, what's it called? The reserve man. I'm plugging plug, plug them too. The reserve man podcast talking about getting the refund checks from student loans, and I'm like, it's funny because not only did I blow those that that money from the refund checks, but I don't even know where those clothes and all those material things I bought. I don't even know where they where they, where they even are now. To be honest, which might be at my parents' house, might have got thrown away. I don't know. Somebody might have taken them out of my apartment. And I'm like, the stuff I own now, I don't buy clothes. I don't really buy any of those things. So it's just, you're right. Yep. And the thing is, I'm also still paying for those things now. The, the, the decisions I made 15 years ago, which is why I want to hopefully set my, my children up, my two daughters, to where they don't have to worry about money. But it's like. Yeah. And not only that, man, it's also hard, another, hard another lesson I wish I had done 10 years ago is to, to keep my circle tight, man, to, to, 
the only people who contribute positive energy towards me. Like you don't need people. <laughs> yes, man. You don't need people on your um uh, mm-hmm. in your circle that's negative all the time. That's gonna drain the hell out of your energy, man. Like you need people who who want to see you grow, who want to see you successful. You know what I mean? Because that you you push each other by doing stuff like that, and it's just and it's, it contributes to overall a good, healthy environments. You know, things you you wake up inspired, you wake up happy. Like you gotta have that. I wish I had done that sooner too. There's a lot of people I just don't. I don't answer the phone for sometimes. I don't. You know, it's just man. I just don't need the negativity. I just people drain your energy, man. It's not. It's not a like. Yeah. You just got to be positive and keep positive people around you, man. If you could, the sooner you do that, the the well, the further you, along you'll be, and the more well off you'll be. That's a great point. True, but I, my thing is, I'm like, how would you learn those lessons unless you went through those those situations? Because otherwise, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't know the difference, anyways. Um, until somebody yep. does something, you're like, wait, wait a minute, that, you know, hold on, you know, they did this, this, and this, and now, I'm, you know, you kind of stuck out. So I think you make a great point. Um, no, I think. You have, you just nailed it right on the head, especially with making sure, you know, you're protecting your peace and your energy. I actually was going to ask that question, you know, how, what's your best steps of making sure you're keeping yourself, you know, day by day positive and in that correct mental state to continue to get things done. And you actually just hit it for me. So that's perfect. Yep. <laughs> you you choose who you want to have around you, man. Don't let people choose it for you. You make the decision. Absolutely. So, well, cousin, I, I appreciate you. You know, I know I hit you up. Well, like I said, I keep up with you, but I hit you up out the blue, man. You, you came and did this. I appreciate it. I want to catch up with you after this, and we'll eventually have more people on this podcast. But you really set the tone. I just know, you know, you gave great information, but your passion. I mean, it's like when you start a business and you're doing things, people see that. And that stuff, like, it's almost the real recognized real thing. It's like people see that and you, you, people gravitate towards that. And I and I really, I've all, and I keep up with a lot of people from LSU. We all, you know, we all friends on Facebook and stuff, but certain people, whether not even necessarily about financial situations, but just seeing people who are putting good energy out to the earth, man, I really like, I like that. And I want to be around that as much as possible. And then also kind of help others build and give people platforms to do what they need to do because somebody's done that for me, just like somebody's done it for you, just like you've done it for other people. You know what I mean? So I think that's, that's key. So I I definitely want to have you back in the future. I appreciate you. No, but, uh, uh well, actually, yeah, if, uh, you if you're looking out? for real estate, you need some help, questions, advice, mm-hmm. if you want to buy a property, sell a property, I can be contacted on my cell, 504-220-7297. That's 504-220-7297. Um, or you can email me at cousin, C-O-U-S-I-N, sales, S-E-L-L-S-L-A, as in Louisiana, at gmail.com. So that's cousin sales, L-A, at gmail.com. And my Instagram handle is N-O, like New Orleans, N-O Cuzzo, C-U-Z-Z-O. So that's N-O Cuzzo on Instagram. Plug the email list because you, I don't okay. think you, did you give the. Yeah, so if you want to join the email list, email like list, I said, it's called Real Estate Personal call. Finance 101. Uh, just shoot me an email, CousinSellsLA at gmail.com. Just put email list in the subject and I'll add you to it. But it's basically, it's, it's emails that I've typed up. So when you join, you'll get the very first one that I started. So I think I'm at like maybe 63 at this point. So, you you know, you're basically in a pipeline and you'll get them all. Some good, valuable information. Obviously, it won't affect or won't have an impact on every email won't have a direct impact on you. But I'm pretty sure most of them will and things you can employ. So I'm going to join the email list. I'm actually I'm thinking about some people to start an investor club with. And I want to I want to get some more information from you on the investor club thing, because I have some people who I know 
are interested in something Appreciate like that. And I just, man, I think I think you gave a lot of gems, some things that, that I'm gonna start implementing in, in my life. So thank you again, Dean. Of course, thank you. Um, thank you, Eric, for everybody who listened, who who made it this far. We appreciate it. And I'll I'll be plugging the episode and and like I said, every Wednesday we'll have episodes drop. If you haven't heard the other ones, please go back and listen. You can find my my business on all the platforms, like I said before. Thank you for listening. And and as always, all right, thank y'all fellas. Business. Take it easy. So we appreciate it. Thank you again. This episode of the Mind My Business podcast is over, but be sure to subscribe, rate, and follow this podcast for interviews with business owners and more tips on how to start and make your own ventures incredibly successful. You can find Mind My Business on all major platforms or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. When it comes to your business, we want you to do what's best, but we will always mind our business.